Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you got a chance to hear episode 261, the one right before this one, where we had the 21-year-old entrepreneur who has just taken the world by storm. I ended that one by saying I expect to see him on the cover of Fortune one day, and uh, I think that uh, you are going to see that that really happens. you got to go back and listen to that one if you have not heard that. If you're a long-term listener, thank you for being here again. If this is your first episode, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. There's lots of ways you can get involved with us. You can go over to iTunes and you can subscribe so that uh, the episodes will come right to your phone every single time, every other day when we have an interview, twice a week. You'll be able to get that. And then additionally, you can follow us on Facebook. There's a Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do Facebook page. There is always the Twitter, which is at Cool Podcast because – we are the cool podcast. And if you really want to get involved, you can join the Potential Project, which is my online group coaching program. And it's really exciting. Some of the stuff we're doing, we're helping people reinvent their careers. Some early stage entrepreneurs, some a little farther along, and some people who have jobs who just want to get more of that entrepreneurial spirit and be more successful in what they're doing. You can find the information about that at tomsinger.com. Just go to the About button and you'll see the thing that says Group Coaching Program. So what I try to do is bring you really interesting interviews with people who are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, or anyone with that entrepreneurial spirit who are doing cool things. And today is no different. Today we have a great guest, and I'm expecting him to be funny because he's a comedian, but he's not a stand-up comedian. <laughs> he is a storyteller. I already like his laugh. You can hear him there in the background. He is a comic storyteller in both the and he's both entertaining and inspirational. He does a lot in the in the corporate market. So he's sort of in my world as a professional speaker because uh, corporate conferences often like to bring in people who can be masterful storytellers. And he calls himself a master of creativity. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, you have to master creativity. I mean, you don't have to be a humorist. You don't have to be a funny storyteller, but I do believe that you've got to be creative if you want to Amen. be out there. Amen. Amen. That's right. So Bob Stromberg, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much. And episode 262, are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. We've been doing this I'm, almost three years. Wow. Two I, am, I am impressed. Two shows a week, and I'll tell you a little secret. I have become such an expert on what makes entrepreneurs tick after interviewing about 220. Some of these episodes are just me pontificating, but most of them are interviews with cool people like you, and I always pick up a little nugget, and sometimes I, I hang up, and I, I just start doing things different in my own business. So as much as people like this show, I always tell them it's really to help me do better with my own company. So uh, Well, I, I'm trying to figure out why you waited 262 shows to have me, but but on the other hand, we may find that out. So. That, that's right. Well, I wanted I wanted to be the best interviewer that I could be because <laughs> yeah. if you went back to episode two, I don't think I'd do quite as good of a job uh, <laughs> relating to you or to the audience. Right. So yes, Bob, I get it. So Bob, tell everybody. I mean, I said you're a, you're a comedian and a storyteller, but why don't you tell everybody who is Bob Stromberg and, and what do you do in your business? 
can I tell you? Can I tell you how I started? And that'll even be help me more to tell please, you the story. Please. Um, when I was eight years old, I sat in a, a third grade music class, uh, and Miss Nagel, our teacher, came in. There were thir- about thirty of us, thirty-three actually, students, uh, crowded in this classroom. And our music teacher, Miss Nagel, came in. She was a very large woman, and she walked up to the piano that was sitting in our classroom and sat down with her back end toward us on the tiny little stool, which was always humorous for us to watch. <laughs> and she began pounding out the chords to a new song and Tom I can see in my it was it was number 14 I actually remember that uh, from the time I was eight years old and there was a little a thin picture across the top with an Amish looking uh, guy walking through a late summer meadow uh, this, is a, this is a watercolor thing a little splash of blue river in the front and of storm clouds in the back and it was the song Shenandoah Oh, Shenandoah, I long to see you gone away, you rolling river, old American folk tune. And uh, one can only imagine how terrible this sounded with uh, 33 of us singing poorly and and this out-of-tune piano. But I burst into tears. And all of my classmates looked at me. And then after the song was done, I was still crying. And Miss Nagel made her way down the aisle. And she asked me what was wrong. But, of course, I I couldn't answer because how does an eight-year-old – uh, describe uh, being overwhelmed by the beauty of art. That was the experience I had, eight years old, and honestly, it, it set a pattern for the rest of my life. When I was later grade school years and early uh, junior high, I began writing songs, really, really bad songs, uh, but they were they were mine. And then I remember the Beatles came out when I was 12, 13 years old, and I remembered. Uh, loving the music, but I also remembered thinking, wow, those guys get to do that. You know, my, my dad has to go teach every day, and, and these guys are <laughs> these guys are doing that for a living, which was exciting to me. And I remember watching the Ed Sullivan show when I was a little kid with my dad, and, and we would watch the Smothers Brothers and, and laugh together. And I loved that feeling of laughing with my, with my family around the, the TV. And, and Richard Pryor, we'd watch Richard Pryor. He was on Ed Sullivan, so he was young and, and safe back then. And uh, we would just howl at Richard Pryor. And I I felt some of that same excitement in, in my heart. And then I went to uh, to college and I studied art, but I really wanted to perform. I knew I wanted to perform. And uh, and then I went to a theater school after college. I, I, it was a, a theater art school, actually, vaudevillian type school. There were jugglers and unicyclists and, and uh, a lot of improv and writing. And um, I began to realize this is what I want to do. I wonder if it's possible to make a living? Could somebody survive doing this? And uh, I knocked on the doors of schools and started working that. And I, I did schools for about 10 years. And then I had people saying, can you come to our convention? Can you come speak at this? Can you speak at that? And that was about another 10 years. And then I wrote a, a couple plays, one that took off around the world. And for and that lasted 20 years. We employed a lot of people in about 10 different casts in that for 20 years. And um, that had brought me to the point in 2015 where I was digging through some old boxes in my house here, and I found a calendar from September of 1975, and I looked at the date, which was September 15th, and I looked in there, 1975, September 15th was my first professional booking, Mm -hmm. and I excitedly came up and I said to my wife, Judy, I said, Jude, this is like an anniversary for me. I actually... um, This is my 40th anniversary doing this. And she said... Huh. 
And that was pretty much the extent of our celebration right there. <laughs> but I realized that I had I had entered a sort of an elite group, I think, of uh, solo entrepreneurs, solo artists who actually have been able to stay busy and fulfilled and profitable for 40 years now doing doing the work that I do, selling myself, actually. So that is, that is awesome. I've been doing this for eight years, and, you know, I, I actually go Good back. Good for you. I go back yeah. to when I was eight, and I wanted to be an actor, and I, I really thought that that was what I wanted to do, and I got really involved in high school and some community theater, and I did a bunch of plays, and I won all the, the sort of high school-level awards, and I, I yeah. really wanted to do it, but my parents thought it was a smart idea, like, to go to a regular college and get a regular degree. And so I was kind of a pleaser. I, d- I didn't do it. And I look back and I think, you know, I probably should have just gone for it. And the worst part, Bob, is I grew up in Los Angeles. I mean, it's not yeah, like sure. it's not like I couldn't have just gotten a bus and gone downtown and, and tried to figure this out. But I mm-hmm. back then we didn't have the Internet. There wasn't the there wasn't the, uh, uh, the the mentors that sort of showed you the way to creating your own path, whether it was acting or whether it was starting a company, there just wasn't that you think it was that what you did is you went to college, you got a degree and you got a job. And so I look back and, and now as a professional speaker, and, and really I'm a storyteller is what I do. It's it's interesting because I've been doing it for eight years. And, and if you look, listen back to the previous episode before this one, the guy was 21. And I said, the only regret I have is that I didn't start my own business 20 years earlier because I was in my sure. 40s. I was in my 40s when I did it. So I, I fully get what you're what you're talking about. I feel like you're a kindred spirit. Maybe Maybe you should have been on episode one of, of Cool Things. <laughs> yeah. You know, you talk about your parents. Um, my parents were both educators. My, I would have been the class clown, by the way. That was that was my greatest desire in life. Uh, but my dad was the principal, so I, <laughs> those, uh, I could not uh, realize that. But um, I remember uh, coming out of college, and I got married. And I remember uh, sitting across the kitchen table from my mom and dad one day. I wasn't living there, but we were visiting. And um, my dad said to me in the way fathers say, he said, uh, what are your intentions now? What are you going to – what are you planning on doing? Um, and I said, Dad, I'm going to go to mime school. <laughs> I mean, there, it's like there's a career plan, you know, uh, but my honest to goodness, both of my parents looked across the table and their their faces lit up. And my mom said, oh, Bobby, that's perfect. And I look back on that moment and I go, that is what a gem, what a lifetime gem that is to 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 have recognized at that point that my mom and dad knew me so well. That they knew that this what what I pers- was pursuing was perfect for me. Uh, in the face of what every parent feels, which is uh, I've got to figure out a way to help my my son or daughter do something profitable <laughs> in their life. So yeah, I'm really really thankful for that moment. So when I I got laid off on April first, two thousand nine, and just said that's it, I'm going to go be a professional speaker. And uh, for the next five years before my father passed away, he lived to be the age of ninety nine. But every time I saw him, he goes, "When are you going to go get a real job?" And I'm like, "I have." A- a yeah. real job. This is actually <laughs> this is actually a thing now, and yeah. uh, it was funny because he never got to come see me speak live because he. Uh, by the time I I sort of got my career going, he was sort of near the end of his journey, and there was no way to really get him out of the old folks' home, the, the the village, and get him out to see me anywhere. But I showed him a video, and I just remember him getting teary eyed watching the video, and he said, "How did you get on the Google?" And, oh, I'm like, a- <laughs> and I'm like, what? No, it's the internet. I was explaining the internet to him. And my, my brother's shaking his head going, the whole thing's the Google. The whole thing's the Google. And my dad said, are, are you famous? 
And I said, not really. And my brother nodded his head, said, just say yes. Just say yes. You're famous. Yeah. So he, he really <laughs> loved seeing the video. And it would have been fun uh, to have him actually see me be able to give a speech like that. He, 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 wasn't, one, wow. he wasn't one who would have done that. But my mother probably, and she had died many years earlier, she probably would have. She had the, uh, the, the personality and the gift for gab and, and telling stories and things like that. So you, you came out of the gate really working for yourself. So I want to veer off my regular questions for a minute because yeah. I want to go back. Back to the fact that you wrote a play that had a bunch of casts and traveled the world for 20 years. Uh, we, yeah. can't, we can't gloss over that on cool things entrepreneurs do. When people drop little things like, oh, yeah, I had a play that toured for 20 years. We go back and find out. So yeah. what was it that you wrote? I wrote a play with two other comics. I, we wrote it in 1995. The name of the play is Triple Espresso. A highly caffeinated comedy. I know you're in Austin. We it played in Austin for a while. I I was I've, never there with the play, but one of our other cast was there. I've heard of it. I, I didn't see it, but I've definitely heard of it. Yeah, we um we began in Minnesota. Um, we we got together. One of the fellows, Michael Pierce Donnelly, uh, one of the, the comics, he was in a play called uh, Forever Plaid, which was an off Broadway play, and it was he'd been in it for three years, I think, in Minnesota. And uh, I went to see it and with my wife, and afterwards, uh, my wife said to me, "You could write something better than that." <laughs> and so I was having breakfast with with Michael and another friend who's a comic, and um, I told him that story, and he said, "Well, maybe we should." And so we decided to. To write something, uh, and I said, you know what, we, we we're not going to write this unless we book it first because we're all three of us are so busy with our careers, we're not going to we're not going to do it unless we actually book something and, and force ourselves to have to write something. So uh, one of the guys said, well, I'll find us something, and he uh, contacted a friend of his who was a, a youth pastor in a church, and he said, w- any chance you could do like a family night at your church sometime, and just and we could do a, uh, our new play for you, and he said, yeah, when you want to do it. And they planned it for 30 days from them. Nice. And so we had 30 days to write a play. We wrote an hour, and then we uh, threw away about half of that afterwards. It went well, but we threw away about half of it. Uh, planned another one, did it again, and at the second performance, uh, the director from a theater in Minneapolis said, would you want to develop this into a, a full two-act play and do it at the Cricket Theater downtown Minneapolis? And it was an established, well-known theater, and we said, sure. So we opened up for six weeks in the spring of 96, thinking we're either going to lose our homes or at least our shirts on this, uh, because we wouldn't be able to work our other jobs for anywhere for six weeks. We were just going to do this play. And um, in three weeks, it took off. It just took off. That's and awesome. um, I, I've, all of us were sort of thinking, well, this isn't hard. This theater stuff's pretty easy. <laughs> we didn't know that we – it was just the right stuff at the right time. And uh, we, we sort of got – we were just very fortunate and kind of got lucky that, that with the timing on it. Um, we uh, immediately because brought in three more guys, uh, auditioned them chose them, taught them to play so that we could leave them in Minneapolis and go to San Diego where somebody else had asked us to do the same thing out there. The show in Minneapolis ran 13 and a half years without closing, five times a week or seven times a week, but five nights a week. Um, The show in, in, uh, excuse me, that was in Minneapolis. The show in San Diego ran 11 and a half years out there. And then it just kept, it kept uh, in the meantime, kept going to other cities. We went to, it's been to 70 some uh, cities. We were in Dublin, Ireland for two years. We were in the West End of London for uh, a few months. Um, and it was just uh, really a, a thrill. Uh, I since have written another one-man show called That Wonder Boy, uh, which got great critical acclaim and actually won a 
I, I only say this because it's one of the only things I've ever won in my life. I'm, I'm <laughs> not bragging, but I just feel so fortunate. It won the United Solar Theater Festival in, in uh, New York City off Broadway in 19, or 2015, fall of, of 2015. And, um, but but hasn't really taken off. And and I just realized with Triple Espresso that it was a phenomenon. That's what it was. And sure. it was, we're, I feel we all feel very fortunate to have been a part of it. And it still goes on. Uh, it's not running at the moment in uh, anywhere, actually, as I'm speaking to you. But it, it opens up regularly in different cities around the country. And every year during the holidays here in Minnesota, it runs for a couple months. And nice. uh, it's just been a, a delight. I feel really a, a blessing for us to be able to continue to do this for 20 some years now. Well, and, and I think, you know, I mean, obviously you're in a world where, you know, that's along the lines of your creativity. But I think for any entrepreneur, for anyone in any, really any type of business, finding some sort of a creative outlet helps you. So last year I tried my hand at writing a one-man show and, and this project hasn't died. It's just been shelved a little bit. I, I, yeah. I wrote it. I did a read-through. I didn't perform it. I just read the mm-hmm. script for about 20 friends who gave me feedback and basically said – and I rented out a theater and I did it at lunchtime. And everybody gave me the same feedback that I'm really on to something really awesome. Awesome. But here were the areas I needed to change. And it was they were right. All of them I agreed with, but it was a lot of work. So, But what happened was, is part of it, the, the main character of the one-man show is my own childhood imaginary friend. And he was kind of on my case about not living up to my potential when I was younger. And, Great idea. Great and, idea. Yeah. And it, and it really had some umph to it. And what happened is I had to do some research on like potential. And I now have a brand new keynote called The Paradox of Potential, which is about a third of my income this year. So, But isn't that, isn't that just great? How you start? You wrote that play, and that led you to something else. Yes. So that's, your that's your creative yeah. process um, it didn't result in you doing a one man show yet. Uh, still, it led to this instead, which has been a really wonderful thing for you. So isn't yeah. that great? And I that's, love that. And that's why I encourage people who I coach and who join my coaching group to to try and go and do a project of some sort because it yeah. just might if it, if it if it can kiss up alongside of your industry, that project can maybe spin something off that becomes really profitable, like it did for me. So so Bob, you've been doing this for a long time. You've had sort of a great life as a solopreneur, artist, and performer, and author, and writer, and speaker. What advice do you have for somebody who's thinking that's what I want to do. I, I want to go start my own thing, and, and maybe it's not performing and writing and, and doing humorous stories. Maybe they want to. Maybe they want to start their own law firm. Maybe they want to spin out of the accounting firm they're in and have their own practice. What what advice do you have for them? Well, first of all, I would I would advise them to prepare well and and to be uh, assured that they have the skills that they need to at least uh, pursue something like, uh, like, mime, like excited, mime school. Mime school was very important <laughs> to that, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then I would I honestly I would tell them if if you're starting into something like this. Uh, you better use your creativity. You better understand what that is. You better understand that creativity is not you're going to first of all, you're going to need it. Um, and even if you're uh, able to make a lot of money in a business, as you know, that doesn't make you necessarily successful. If you make a lot of money and you're miserable, you're not a success, as uh, I, I think. I agree. Um, and so you better understand that uh, creativity is something it's not a gift that um it's not a gift that some special people have. Creativity is a, is a process. It's a, I call it a craft 
that we can practice and get better and better and better at it um, by practicing the fundamentals of creativity. And I, I think it's important in any new venture that you're doing that you understand that this is a process. And if you're about it properly, um, you can end up the way creative people do, which is uh, whatever the endeavor, you can end up uh, joyful and excited about life. You can uh, be fulfilled because you're, you're, uh, you're fulfilling an innate desire uh, to create, which is woven into our very genes. So um, I, I really think that creativity is, is a gift that is so often not even thought of when people enter into something. Well, and, and, you know, I was reading your bio and, and, and things like that, and it said one of the things that, that you can talk about is sort of creativity and the art of success. So let's talk a little bit about how being creative in a business venture leads to success. Well, here's a way of looking – one way to look at this. I, uh, I have a photograph of my grandfather opening up a, a gift on Christmas Eve of 1961, and it's a, a craft – or a uh, – uh, uh, yeah, a craft paint by number um, set painting, and th- he's just he's just beaming. He was so excited about opening this thing up, and he said to me, he "said Bobby, now we are gonna cre- we're gonna make some real art." Which of course raises the question: Well, what is real art? <laughs> you know, what what is it? Um, and for my grandfather, I I never saw him happier than he was when he was working on that craft by number set. Uh, and what I I know now what he really loved about it was it only had two rules. Number one is you paint your number. And number two is you clean your brush. And as long as you do those two things with a paint by number set, you're going to end up with a finished painting. Now, is it real art? That's another question. <laughs> but uh, but you're going to end up with what it shows on the box that, that, that you're going to end up with. You paint your number and you you clean your brush. And when I think about people heading into various businesses, it's so important to, first of all, know what the number, know what your number is, know what your job is as an entrepreneur, know what you need to do, set that plan out there and do it well and do it every day and keep at it. But every night, clean your brush. So you're not only making sure you're taking care of your work, but you make sure that you're taking care of your life, too, that, so that you have the tools that you need. Otherwise, if you're not taking care of your life and you're working on this project, you've got to have a balance. You've got to do your work, but you also have other things in your life, and you need to balance those things, or you're not going to be successful. So you talked earlier about, uh, you know, you called yourself a solopreneur, and I, and I call myself the same thing. But we don't really do it alone, right? I mean, we're not just doing art and cleaning our brush. And even if you're an artist, even if you're actually a painter, you're not really doing anything alone. How important do you think – and you mentioned your play. You wrote it with two friends. Yeah. How, how important is your network, the people you're connected to, the people you engage with? How important is that to success? Well, it's important, and I would also say that for me personally, that's been the biggest struggle for me uh, because of the nature of my work. Um, uh, traveling – um, and mainly working uh, in the evening, um, or that was—that's when I'm doing my stand-up uh, and my my uh, conference work. When I was uh, doing my acting work full time for so many years, and still when I when I'm doing a, a run of six weeks or eight weeks or whatever in some city, uh, I'm working. I'm always working when other people are off. 
and I'm always free when other people are working. And this has been, it's been like this for, for 40 years for me. So for us as a, as a, um, a married couple, it's been difficult to develop community. Um, and, and that's something that's, it really is so important. And, and again, I don't think any of us need to have 50, 50 best friends, but um, I found it really important to surround me uh, myself with uh, two or three people who really have my back and are really not only close friends, but also business people who are helping me. And, and I couldn't do that by myself. I, I, would, I have, would not have been able to do what I do without my agent, for example, who I've had for 25 years. But my relationship with him is really, really important to me and really important to him. So I don't just have some guy who's doing that work for me. Um, he's Tim, he's my agent. He, and, um, you know, we talk every day we have for all of these years. So, uh, he's in Nashville. I'm in Minneapolis at St. Paul. That doesn't matter where we are because we're talking every single day. And that relationship is really, really important. And, and as you suggest, you can't do it by yourself. You've got to be surrounded by people. And to the degree that I failed to do that, that's made my, my work more difficult. Well, and, and I have a mastermind group of three other professional speakers who were all kind of climbing the ladder and have been doing this for about the same amount of time. And we get together twice a year. We get together via a, a Skype call about every month. And then individually, we talk to each other on the phone every month. And I couldn't do it without them. I mean, they've really become an integral part of keeping me motivated, you know, helping me work through ideas, uh, you know, helping me have to strive harder, you know, things like when I started this podcast, you know, they basically were like, I think it'll be a distraction, which caused me to have to go and make it big. And like in the first year, you know, it was a much higher ranked podcast than it is now, because now everybody has a podcast. I think if you breathe air in the United States, you now have a podcast. But the first year we scored really well on some of the charts and my friends my in my group were like they took credit for it because they go you couldn't have done this half-assed you had to go out and do it that's right we would have been on you otherwise because we were not wanting you to get distracted so having that circle of friends and those people you can always rely on i agree with you i think it's i think it's very important so bob i got a couple more questions for you before i let you go but first i have to thank the sponsor of this episode So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Bob Stromberg. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Bob, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? Oh, the coolest thing without a doubt. You know, it's interesting when you get to be my age, I'm, I'll be 65 this summer. Uh, success, the, the interest or the focus on success changes from success to uh, significance. Uh, and I found myself, uh, when I was about your age, uh, Tom, I had people saying to me, you need to pass the baton to some younger people now. You need to pass the baton. And I remember thinking, I, I didn't even know I had a baton yet. Did somebody <laughs> did somebody give me a baton? I wasn't aware of that. Um, but now I found myself at my age going, I, I want to share something of significance uh, with people who are coming behind me. And so I put together a, uh, a class called Mastering the Craft of Creativity. It's an online Uh, class. It's a six-week deal, drips out 
one week at a time. It's, it's hours of video. It's a really f- fun format, and there's lots of fun entertainment in it, but and lots of uh, of um, information and lots of teaching. That's that's important. Mostly, most importantly, it teaches that creative process that I talked about, which I define, which I uh, put in an acronym, which is GIT. This is how you get your masters of creativity. Uh-huh. You grab everything that grabs you emotionally. And when I say grab, I mean you write it down, you interrogate it to find out how it can be used, why it, why does it keep why do you why do you keep uh, touching me emotionally? Why do I keep feeling this way when I look down through this list and I see you written there, number forty? Why why do you still grab me? Um, and then there's the aha moment, and you know this moment, uh, Tom. You had this moment when you were working on your one man show, and then uh, and then took that into your speaking engagements. Um, the aha moment is after the during the interrogation, the thought that you grab, the thought impression or experience that you grabbed wasn't an idea it was just a thought you have no idea what it means you interrogate it and then it's aha when you when you realize now i know what i can do with that and then you transform it into whatever it's supposed to be i say that's how you get your masters of creativity that's what the course is about um that's what i speak about when i'm I'm, very often when i'm at conferences i speak on this on this uh craft of, of creativity and how to master it uh, so that we can use it in, in our work. So, so I'm really, are, really enjoying that a lot. If people are interested in finding out about mastering the craft of creativity, how do they find that course? Well, then go right to my website at bobstromberg.com. Um, and uh, there's a, I have a quiz there, a, a creativity quiz. In fact, the name of the creativity quiz is, are you as creative as Steve Martin? Um, and, and most of your listeners would probably say, uh, no, I don't need to take that quiz. I already know the answer to that, but you might be surprised. Uh, there's a 30, a free 30 minute training video there that you can take about mastering the craft of creativity. And then of course the class is there as well. Um, and that's all at, uh, at bobstromberg.com. So Bob- and, and you know what? The, the course actually isn't available all the time. It's not available as you and I are speaking, but it, it will be available again uh, within a couple months. But I'm honestly, I'm happy to give your listeners a back door. Um, so I, I'll put together um, when we get done with this call, I'll put together a page just for you folks. Cool. Like Bob Stromberg um, slash cool things. That would be great. That's awesome. what we'll do. Bob Stromberg. Slash cool uh, things. Dot com. Yes. forward slash cool things. That's what we'll do. Perfect. Great. That's great. Awesome. So everybody should go check that out. Hey, Bob, I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. And I think it's not just about, you know, themselves. I think great entrepreneurs are watching who else is out there doing cool stuff. So I love to ask the people who come on the show, who's someone out there you admire? You say, wow, they're crushing it. Oh, I've got a buddy right now who has an online course, um, and he started putting his together about the same time that that I did. Um, he is a he's a brilliant entrepreneur, and he was he just looked at at the culture that we're all living in, and he said, "Look at the marriages falling apart. They're just it, it's everybody I look at is is they're all falling apart. What I wonder if I could do something about this." And he put together. Um, uh, an online training class. Uh, he well, he brought together a team. Once again, you talk about community. He couldn't do it by himself, but he brought together a team of of uh, psychologists and counselors, um, scientists, really, uh, and they put together a, a thing called Marriage in Motion. Uh, it, you can find it at. Um, 
forbetter.us, not .com, but forbetter.us, Marriage marriage in Motion. And uh, it's eight weeks online marriage training course. Um, it's improve, empirically proven scientific, actionable steps to transform uh, someone's marriage. And it's really, it's, uh, it, it is just killing it right now and uh, very, very exciting. So, and I'm thrilled for him as well because he, um, as as we often do, he went out on the limb in, in many, many ways, mm-hmm. and certainly financially, way out on the limb to make this happen. And it's a beautiful course. That's awesome. Hey, one of the final questions I ask everyone who comes on the show is, what is it that you do to give back to the greater good? Because in addition to being observers, I think entrepreneurs want to leave their mark. So what do you do? Well, uh, one ministry that I am um, totally devoted to uh, is Compassion International. It's a, a child sponsorship uh, ministry um, around the world. I think they're in 80 some countries. Uh, I researched this uh, years ago and have continued to research it as other as other um, types of uh, programs like this have come, uh, nonprofits have come up. Um, I still think it's one of the top two. And I, I don't mind telling you what the other one is. The other one is World Vision, uh, mm-hmm. the sponsorship you can do through World Vision or uh, through Compassion International, both wonderful organizations. And my wife, Judy, and I are just really devoted to this, this work of um, lifting uh, children out of poverty. Um, and when you lift a child out of poverty, you're lifting a family partially out of poverty as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think that nobody does it better than, than Compassion International. That's awesome. So, Bob, yeah. if, some, if someone was listening to the show and they need to find out more about you, uh, they just think that you're great, how do they find you? Oh, at bobstromberg.com. That would be the, the simplest thing to do. Um, it, everything's uh, – the website – it's a nice website. Everything's very clear there. And at the bottom of every page, there's a little yellow things tab that says contact us, and you just punch on that, and you can uh, write in any questions that you would have, and I get them immediately and would respond back right away. That is awesome. Well, Bob, thank you for agreeing to be a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you, Tom. Sure appreciate it. Hey, and I think you're a perfect example. So many people think, oh, I can't make a living following my dream or my passion or what I like to do. And yet you've been doing it for 40 years. And I think that that is something that all of us, you know, can grasp onto. And, And you might be turning 65 this year, but you don't sound like you're slowing down. No, I'm not. And, and I'm loving it better than ever. And in fact, honestly, Tom, and I'm, I really mean this, um, I've been uh, every year has been until until things in 2009 did slow down. The economy slowed down. There's just no getting around. Right. Yeah. No, we all lived through that. It caught up to me in 2010. But before that, every year of my work had been busier than the year before and and more fun and more wonderful than the year before. Things slowed down in 2010. And and it's a new norm now, as we all know. But um, I I am so, so thankful uh, for that. And I honestly feel. And this, I want this to be an encouragement to you, Tom. I honestly feel that I've just gotten really good at what I do. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I feel like with my work, it's like, yeah, bring it on. Here we go. I can, I can handle it anything now where I didn't feel that 20 years ago. And, and um, I was doing really well 20 years ago. But I, it's exciting to realize that, that it, it, things can get better and better and better. Well, it, it, it's interesting because the listeners of the show know I did a show a while back and I've talked about it several times in the last year. I 
made a pledge when I turned 50 that I was going to make like 50 to 70 or 50 to 75 the best years of my life. And some people come back and go, why stop there? I'm like, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. But, you know, the hard part is I had a pretty good life. I had a really good childhood. I had a great time in college. So up until 25, you know, life was kind of just a party. And, you know, I've been married since I was 25 and we have two great kids and they haven't been that hard to raise. And so it's like I had a pretty good time along that path. And I said, I'm just going to make, you know, 50 to 75, the best time ever. And my 20-year-old daughter goes, wait a minute, what about the last 20 years? And I go, well, <laughs> I go raising, I go, there's a lot of sacrifices raising kids. You know, I go now, I go, we're about to, you know, she's in college, her sister's about to go in a couple of years to college. And I said, you know, I go, I intend to be more successful and just have more fun and just not stress. And, and that's sort of been my mantra the last now almost year. And I'll tell you, it's working out. So we're one year that's in great. and it's, it's, that's been, great. it's been, that's the, really wonderful. Yeah. Yep. It's been the, the, the best start. And, and, you know, I'm assuming I'll go to a hundred. My dad lived to be 99 and, uh, oh. You know, I just wow. I just lost thirty pounds and took up running. So you know, I'm I'm doing something right. So you bet, it's great. So well, it's again, great. wonderful. Again, thank you for being a guest, and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So keep coming back. Tell all your friends. If you like the show, go over to iTunes and leave a review. Let me know that you're listening to the show and what you like about it. Let's other people know this show is worth giving, you know, 20, 30, 35 minutes of their day. And maybe they're going to walk away with a little bit of inspiration from these great guests like Bob. So we're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Bob Stromberg. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. You go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>